Our scripture reading tonight is the very end of the Bible, Revelation 22. We're going to begin reading at verse 12 and read through to the end of scripture, verse 21. Revelation 22, 12 through 21. This is God's holy and infallible word. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Tonight we're ending our eight-part series of the Heidelberg Catechism, and this series is a tour on the occasion of the 450th anniversary of its publication. It was published for the first time in 1563, and this year we're 450 years after that. It's a tour... So this has been more of an overview. Instead of touching down in each of the Lord's days, we've taken more of an aerial view. Instead of examining the trees, we've been appreciating the forest. And at 30,000 feet, we saw the organization of the catechism into guilt, grace, and gratitude. Those are the three things we need to know to live and die in the comfort of belonging to Jesus. At 10,000 feet, we saw the Catechism's contents, the Apostles' Creed, the Ten Commandments, the means of grace, and now the Lord's Prayer. The Creed is what we believe, the contents of what we believe. The Ten Commandments are about how we live. The means of grace, the sacraments, preaching, and discipline or discipleship are about what God especially uses so that we grow in grace, so that we grow in faith. Prayer now, tonight, is about our relationship with God, especially. At its very simplest, prayer is us talking with God, sharing what's on our hearts with Him. John Bunyan once said, when you pray, rather let your heart be without words, than your words without heart. And that tells us what prayer is about. It's about pouring our hearts out, especially to God. That's the focus. That's the point of prayer. And and praying from the heart is the first thing the catechism emphasizes when it talks about 
how we must pray in Lord's Day 45, where the discussion of prayer starts. How does God want us to pray so that he will listen to us? First, we must pray from the heart. A woman went to Andrew Murray with the problem of feeling she couldn't pray, and he said, well, then why don't you try this? As you go to your inner chamber, however cold and dark your heart might be, do not try in your own might to force yourself into the right attitude. Bow before him and tell him so that he sees what a sad state you are and so that he knows that you know that your only hope is in him. Trust him with the childlike trust to have mercy upon you and wait upon him. In such a trust, you are in a right relationship to him. You have nothing, and he has everything. And the woman later told Murray that his advice had helped her, and she discovered that her trust in Christ's love for her could help her pray even when prayer wasn't coming easily. Whether prayer is coming hard for us or not, know that prayer is especially about our relationship with God. That relationship of trust and intimacy, pouring our hearts out to Him. A husband and wife grow in relationship as they spend more time together. And we grow in our walk with God in our relationship with Him as we spend time with Him and talk with Him. The Lord's Prayer is our model for prayer. And that's what the catechism focuses on in its last eight lessons. It explains each phrase and tells us what they're all about and what they mean for our relationship with God. We're not touching down in individual lessons but for this series, but I'd encourage you to read these Lord's Days. They could be a fabulous series of devotions for you personally. They could be an eight-part study for your small group. You could read the questions and answers, discuss, look up some of the many, many Bible texts footnoted. Like the rest of the catechism, this part on prayer is Bible-based, it's reliable, it's personal, it's wonderfully practical for our lives. And so the Lord's Prayer is the great summary and model of what our prayer life should be. But then we look to the very end of the Bible this Advent season and we find a prayer there. It's the very last prayer in the Bible. Jesus in our text is talking about the end of time. It's when he returns. The city he's talking about is the new Jerusalem, heaven. He refers to the judgment that will come at that time. We read of those who wash their robes, and that refers to people who belong to Jesus, and therefore they're wearing clean robes because they're wearing the robes of the righteousness of Christ. We read that kept outside of that city, outside of eternal glory, will be those who have chosen to remain in their sin, and chosen not to look to Jesus for cleansing, and so they're not wearing the robes of the righteousness of Christ. There's a powerful call 
to everyone to salvation in our text. Did you catch that? Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. That's a call that we need to continually proclaim. Even in the message this morning, I reiterated that call you might have noticed. And then we read this strong warning about adding or taking away from the words of Scripture. And that reinforces for us the powerful place of the Word of God in the spreading of the good news of salvation in Jesus. And then Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon, there in verse 20. And then we have this final prayer, amen, come, Lord Jesus. Or as some versions put it, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. This is an Advent prayer. Advent is about the coming of Christ, and Advent isn't only about Jesus' first coming, which has already happened, but it's also about his second coming, which is still going to happen. Reflecting on this last section of the catechism, reflecting on prayer and how it's about our relationship with God and and thinking of Advent, I want to suggest to you that this Advent prayer, this prayer in the Bible, is the kernel of all heartfelt prayer to Jesus. I'm wondering if this prayer is perhaps really what it's all about what it all boils down to. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. You've heard that word maybe? That's come, Lord, in Aramaic, the language Jesus spoke. Maranatha. Come, Lord. There are six petitions in the Lord's Prayer that we're going to walk through from an Advent perspective. But first, we have the introduction to that prayer, Our Father, We enter our conversation with God in prayer with the word Father. And that tells us precisely that prayer is about our relationship with God, doesn't it? Because Father is above all a relationship word. God is our Father. We are His children. The word Jesus used was Abba, which means Daddy. The way Jesus tells us to approach prayer Our Father confirms that prayer in the Christian's life is especially about your relationship with Him. To say our Father is to pray that prayer come because it's recognizing that our relationship is one of dependence in that relationship. We're the dependent one. We're children. We're in need. Sarah and I have wondered more than a couple times over the years what it would be like to leave our two, a two-year-old alone in the house but be able to somehow watch what she was doing. I know that sounds terrible. It was, it's my idea whenever the conversation. Don't blame Sarah. But if you could, it would be fascinating. What would happen What would your child do without a parent around? I think a two-year-old would wander around, play with this or that. Worst case scenario, she could really, really hurt herself. Best case scenario, she would be totally lost and out of sorts after, I think, a pretty short amount of time. 
I'd imagine if you left her there long enough, she get, would get tired but wouldn't put herself to bed, just play and eat until she got too tired to go on, and then she'd just curl up on the floor or the couch and fall fast asleep. She'd be lost because she's a little child. She's helpless, completely dependent on her parents. And that's how you and I are without God. We're lost, alone, puzzled. What do I do next? Afraid. And so we need to call out to Father, is what Jesus tells us in the Lord's Prayer. We say, come Lord, be near us, be with us. And of course, that prayer was answered most perfectly and amazingly in Jesus. That prayer for to come, for Father to come. Jesus came, Emmanuel came, God with us. He came to rescue his children. And when we pray, Father, we're asking him in a way for him to come be with us because we need him, because we're little children, helpless without our Abba. We need Father's strength. We need Father's love. We need Father's direction. It's as if we're saying when we pray, come and be our Heavenly Father. The Father, we need you to be as helpless, dependent little children. The first phrase of the Lord's Prayer is, Hallowed be your name. And when the Bible talks about the name of God, it always is referring to everything that He is. So we acknowledge God's holiness, His greatness, His might. This is especially about acknowledging all that God is. And when we say, come, Lord Jesus, in part we're saying, come and be who you are. Be who you say you are. Reveal yourself to us in all your splendor and glory. The next petition is your kingdom come. We pray for him to come. We pray for his kingdom to come and be established The Catechism in Lord's Day 48 says, one of the things your kingdom come is asking God is this. Keep your church strong and add to it. And so with this we're praying, come Lord Jesus to be in your church. There are so many discussions out there on the church Pastors and church members are frustrated by the trends in our culture, the lessening commitment to the church. There are discussions and conferences going on about this all the time. What's the solution? You wouldn't believe some of the answers given. Some of it's, we need to tweak this or that in the church, add this or that program change the leadership structure of the church, add staff. Instead of worship on a Sunday, do service projects during that time with your church. Really, that's one of the suggestions that's seriously talked about and done out there. And I know that good ministries and good administration and organization and leadership, and I think you know this too, it's important for the church. And you need the right staff. That's why we looked so long and hard before Reverend Lancer was recommended. We need and appreciate good music, but what 
we need more than any of that is for the Lord to come to our church, to meet us, to fill us, to empower us, to be present. Without the coming of God, none of the rest of it will do any good. It will be an empty show. And so we pray your kingdom come. We pray for God to come even to faith, Christian Reformed Church. He's the one that will make a difference. He's the one who will change hearts. He's the one who will give us a passion for him and his ways and his purposes. He'll bring any increase, not us. Your will be done is the third petition. We want God's will more and more to be our will. In a sense, his coming in the world, in the church, has to start with us, right? With him changing our hearts and our wills. And so we say, go away to our own desires and our own wills and our own agendas. And we say, come, Jesus, reign and rule in my heart. Give us this day our daily bread is about asking God to give us what we need physically. And sometimes we're afraid to ask for stuff like that, but there's a reason it's in the Lord's Prayer. God cares about our physical needs too. And this means we can pray for food to be on the table, for a home, for a job, for our finances. In terms of Christ's coming, I think we might say this about our physical needs. Lord, give us what we need, but don't give us too much that we don't want Jesus to come. Because it's possible, don't you think, to have so much here, to have it so good, that we get pretty comfortable, that we value our stuff more than we should that maybe we'd really prefer Jesus not to come, thank you very much, because the things of this world are so captivating to us and so alluring, and we think that they are better than the coming of Jesus. And so as a child of God, pray that you have enough physical things so that you're able to serve God and work for him and work for the advancement of his church and kingdom, but not so much stuff that it could hinder your desire. For Jesus to come. Forgive us our debts. It acknowledges that we are broken, fallen, sinful humans who desperately need the forgiveness of God. And in prayer, we confess our sins before God. We confess where and when we've broken our end of that relationship with God. Another way to look at confession of sin is to think of it like this. Lord, Remove anything in my life that is getting in the way of your coming. Lord, make room in my heart for Jesus so, God, you can come and live there. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's an acknowledgement, as the catechism says, that our enemies, the devil, 
the world, our own sinful nature, never stop attacking us. And so we pray that Jesus would come and be stronger than our enemies. Prayer concludes with, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And the kingdom, the power, and the glory. That, that sounds like at the end of that prayer, we're being directed to look forward to Jesus' second coming, doesn't it? Doesn't that remind you of his second coming? Looking into eternity as we thank him for his first coming, as we pray for his coming now, we pray for his ultimate coming at the end of time to come once and for all and to take us to be with him where he is. It's interesting that Jesus in our text says, you catch that he says first, yes, I am coming. And then, yet we're called to pray, come Lord Jesus. I think that tells us that we can pray this with confidence. This isn't a crossing our fingers sort of thing. Oh, Jesus, come, and I hope he does. I just sure hope he does. No, Jesus says he is coming, and yet we're called to pray. So as we pray it, we know it's going to happen because Jesus says it will. The Lord's Prayer, the discussion of prayer, is in that third section of the catechism. That's the gratitude section. I think that's fitting when we think of this final little section in the Bible. I think the first thing we'll say when Jesus does come again is thank you. Don't you think? Gratitude to him. Jesus, I'm so glad you came and saw me through it all. I'm so glad you've come to finally once and for all do away with pain and sin and disappointment and loss and grief and death. Come, Lord Jesus. I'm suggesting to you tonight that there's a sense in which that little prayer is the summary of the Lord's Prayer and the summary of all our praying. Come, Lord Jesus, covers all the petitions. All our praying comes down to that. When we're at the dinner table, whether we're sitting there alone possibly with the spouse, maybe with kids or grandkids around the table, we could pray, come Lord Jesus, and we've said it all. When we're in our bed at night, come Lord Jesus. When we're tempted into sin, come Lord Jesus. When we see evil and atrocity in this world, like the shooting in Colorado on Friday, come Lord Jesus. Before a congregational meeting and an important decision, come, Lord Jesus. At the beginning of our times of worship, before the preaching of God's word, come, Lord Jesus. When we're in the hospital, early in the morning, being prepped for a surgery, come, Lord Jesus. When we're standing with loved ones around a graveside, come, Lord Jesus. Most often, we'll want to fill in the details as we talk to God in our prayer life because prayer is about a relationship with the Lord and we want to pour out our hearts to Him. But when you can't say much else, say, 
Come, Lord Jesus, and you'll be saying it all. Amen.